Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel according to Mark, Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. Praise God. Amen. If you need a miracle tonight, this service is not concluded. And you don't have to wait until altar service to get what you need from the Lord. We believe in being spirit led, and whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do, that's what we want it. To do. Praise God. Mark chapter number 8 and verse 11. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed. You ever wondered if the Lord ever got impatient, frustrated, uh, maybe just like you and I, a little exasperated with folks? Here's evidence that he did. He sighed deeply, but he concealed it. It was in his spirit. And saith, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understanding Have ye your hearts or heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not. Do ye not remember? Do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they say unto him, 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full? Of loaves took ye up, and they said seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? The Bible tells us here that he is reminding them of some things that they had so quickly forgotten. And I, I had a struggle as just exactly what to, to uh, entitle this tonight. But uh, I might well just title it, Don't Forget the Bread. Don't Forget the Bread. Praise God. And uh, maybe a subtitle, Forgetful Green. (laughs) This is ambiguous. The most dangerous place in these parts. You think you can remember that? Forgetful Green. The most dangerous place in these parts. But because you're not going to remember that. You're going to have a hard time hanging anything on that nail 
And that's what titles are supposed to be for. They taught me in Bible school, and I don't know what good really I got out of it. But they, they taught us, don't make your titles too long. Some preachers have more title than they do message. I hope I have more message than I do title tonight. Praise God. I've heard a lot of powerful titles and weak messages. Hopefully we can have a powerful message and maybe not so good a title. But uh, I, I want to preach to you, don't forget the bread. Would you lift your hands and let's pray again for the Lord's help. We certainly need it tonight. Jesus, we need you. We need your blessing. We need your touch on our service. Thank you, God, for already showing up, already moving, already ministering, already meeting many needs in this place. And I pray you'd continue to do so in the remainder of our service this evening. I pray, God, for the touch of the Holy Ghost in this house, for your anointing to be upon every heart and soul in this place. In Jesus' name. And could you give praise to that high and holy name of the Lord? Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Wow. The presence of the Lord has already been here so strong tonight. And we just want to follow the Holy Ghost. If I get done or don't get done, that'll be okay because this is apostolic church. Praise God. And uh, we want the Lord to move. So at any point in my message tonight, it's really not my message, it's the message the Lord has impressed upon my heart. But any point in this that faith takes hold. And uh, that's what it's all about. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So as the Word of God is going forth and the Word of God is heard and uh, your faith is mixed with that Word of faith as the Scripture admonishes, that's the key point. That's the ignition point of any Holy Ghost service. That's what drives every service. Praise God. And we, we certainly want an explosion of the Holy Ghost. And I believe we can have it. Can you say amen? This week is a very special week that has really been designated uh, by the leaders of our nation as Thanksgiving week. And uh, this is always a wonderful, wonderful time of the year, as you've already noted. And I can see by your dress tonight that the weather has changed in the last little bit. Thankfully, it's not as drastic as it is for those folks up north. Somebody told me, that in Chicago, I believe his brother Doc told me in Chicago, uh, where his daughter lives, seven inches of snow. Amen. Now, it's a little early for seven inches of snow. I, I don't remember a time when we've had quite seven inches since I've lived here. And uh, I'm thankful that we get snow, but I'm thankful that we get it sparingly because I don't like it having it all the time. I sure wouldn't want to shovel out or have to have snow plows up and down the roads all through the winter time. But uh, this week is Thanksgiving week, and it's a time when we reflect. And as people of God, we look back on the blessings of the Lord. How many feels like you've been blessed this year? Amen. As I look around, I'm looking at a blessed group of people. This year is really a mile marker for this church in that we are debt-free. We paid off uh, this building and many faithful saints of God, some have went on to be with the Lord, have been a part of the sacrifice of that through the years. But we're very thankful for the Lord blessing us in that way. Aren't you grateful for what God has done for us as a church and as a people? Many of you personally can look back and give personal thanks 
for what the Lord has done. Many of you possibly are thinking even now as I speak of a particular prayer that the Lord has answered or a work that God has done for you specifically in your life. And it is important that we look back because as it has been said, uh, people that don't remember where they came from and what they have been blessed with are surely not going to know where they're going. Amen. And so it's important for us as the people of God to take moments and reflect. Now, I'm thankful uh, that we, we can always look towards the future, and I don't want to get bogged down necessarily in nostalgic moments and situations like that, but I do want to remember the positive things that God has done and the works of the Lord in my life and always be thankful for it. Our nation has seen the value of this. You, you don't have to drive very far up and down our highways and interstate systems and you're going to pass some type of monument or historical marker that marks where a sacrifice was made on a battlefield or uh, there was an important person that passed this way that uh, is uh, an important character in our history as a nation. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., many of you have probably walked through the mall there. I'm not talking about the shopping mall. I'm talking about the mall where all the historical markers are, monuments are, and it's a beautiful thing. You can go and look at the Vietnam uh, memorial wall that is there with the over 50,000 names that are written on the wall of the casualties of that war. And uh, there's the Korean War, now the World War II, and, and uh, so on. There's also monuments to important men in our nation's history. So our nation has seen the value of reflecting and keeping things alive in history and being able to remember because freedom that uh, we enjoy and experience uh, didn't come cheap. It was fought for, and it's going to have to continue to be fought for and for our nation to continue to have the inspiration that it's going to need for future battles. It's important that it not forget its illustrious history and all the great things and, and the battles that have been fought and won and the decisive victories that we've been blessed with as a nation, it's important for us to be able to look back to them and uh, our nation to remember them so that we can go on in the future and if there is a conflict, if there is a challenge against our freedom, we, we can know that we've always been a nation that has met the challenge. We've always been a nation that has stood up for the cause of freedom and democracy. And so that's why these things are important. The Bible also admonishes us in a spiritual sense to do the same. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 51 said, Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Amen. If it had been me writing that, I'd probably said dug. But uh, it says digged. And so... Uh, look to the rock from which you were hewn. In other words, go back and remember what you were before the Lord found you. Go back and remember what he brought you out of and what he saved you from. 
it's important for you as a people if you're going to go on and if you're going to have a meaningful relationship with me and be able to serve me effectively and successfully continue your journey, you're going to have to remember these things. It's important that you go back and look at that old rock from which you come out of and look down in that dark hole in that pit from which you were dug and remember that and keep that in mind to never return to it. Amen. Praise God. Sometimes we get separated from certain things and saved from certain things, and if we're not careful, we forget just how far the Lord has brought us and just how good the Lord has been to us. Amen. We get disconnected from all of that out there in the world, and and we don't remember the heartache. We don't remember the sorrow. We don't remember all of the terrible things that were associated with sin and living in the world. But I am so thankful tonight that I have a Savior that cares about me, that loves me, that gives me the grace that he gives me. He gave me Holy Ghost power. I didn't have to stay in the doldrums of sin. I didn't have to stay bogged down in the mire of sin. But I am so thankful tonight that he saved me, that he delivered me, that he gave me this wonderful promise of the Holy Ghost. If you're thankful for it, you ought to clap your hands and praise the Lord even now. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, it's important that we remember these things. And John Bunyan wrote a book, uh, really a classic, called Pilgrim's Progress. And some of you have probably read it or at least read some type of rendition of that book. It's really an allegory about a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Christian, and he is named Christian, signifying Christians that are making a journey towards, he is making his journey towards the celestial city, which is heaven. And uh, in this particular book, he, he's passing by these different points and these different locations, and he visits many places. And he could have been hindered or distracted by any one of these things. There is the slew of Despond or Desmond. And uh, there is the uh, village of morality. And there is the uh, difficulty heal. There is vanity fair. There's doubting castle. There is uh, the giant called despair that comes across his path. And later when his son is receiving wise counsel from a character in the book that is called Greatheart. He asks what a particular area and valley where a battle was fought, what, what that particular area was. And, and he explains it to him. But he says, you know, he said, this area over here is called Forgetful Green. And it's the most dangerous place in these parts. It's called Forgetful Green, and it's the most dangerous place in these parts. He said he was not the first person, your father, was not the first person to struggle with it, but it's been the plight of humanity from the very beginning of time. They've always had to deal with this area called Forgetful Green. Matter of fact, your forefathers wrote about it. Moses wrote a whole book about it. It was back when books and the titles of books was not as important as the message that was in the book, sort of like my sermon tonight. 
Uh, matter of fact, he wrote the whole book of Deuteronomy about this particular subject. And he said, if he had been writing the book of Deuteronomy, I always struggled with that word when I was growing up, Deuteronomy. Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's one of those words that got a lot of syllables bunched up there together. But Deuteronomy. And uh, he said, if he'd been writing the book of Deuteronomy nowadays, he probably wouldn't have entitled it that, but it might have been called The Dangers of Forgetful Green. The Dangers of Forgetful Green. Because throughout every chapter of this book, it says, beware. And over and over again, you see this word, beware. It's there just about all through the book. Beware lest, and I'm just going to give you a few, beware lest thou forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Beware that thou not forget all the ways of the Lord thy God and how that he hath led thee. Beware thou forgettest not what the Lord did unto Pharaoh. And so on. It's just on and on. The word beware. He cries. He He's like he's waving a flag of warning, uh, trying to warn Israel, trying to warn his people, God's people, to beware lest they forget all of the things that God had done for them. Because Moses understood something about human nature, and that is that we have the tendency to forget We have the tendency to forget the goodness of God and the blessings of God. And when we've got it going pretty good in our lives, we tend to forget when it was going bad. We tend to forget what it was to be bound, what it was to live in bondage in Egypt. And so I want you to remember, when you get over there and you're blessed to live in houses that you didn't build and eat from vineyards that you didn't plant and put your fruit and your produce in barns that you didn't erect, He said, when you get to that point, beware lest you forget what the Lord has done for you. And so I say to this congregation tonight, just like Moses of old, that is still a warning that is due to every one of us here in this place, that we be careful lest we forget. Beware lest you forget the blessings of God. Beware lest you forget how good God has been to you. Beware lest you forget where God has brought you from and how good things are now contrary to what they used to be. Aren't you thankful for the goodness of the Lord? Oh, come on. Somebody ought to give him a shout of praise. Somebody ought to thank him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That, that's really what happened to God's people when they got to that place called Kadesh Barnea. That was the place where the spies were sent over, 12 of them, to spy out the land and see if it was exactly what was promised. And when they got there, they noted everything in detail that had been prophesied and foretold about that land, that in fact it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a land that was lush. It was a land that was fruitful. And they come carrying back between their their shoulders two men, clusters of grapes that hardly they could carry. Evidence that it was everything that God had said it would be. And uh, uh, ten of those spies spoke up and said, Yeah, uh, there is 
There is grapes, clusters of grapes, plenty of fruit in the land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey, but there is giants in the land, and there's walled cities in the land, and there's vast peoples there. There's the sons of Anak. There is walled cities that have armies that we don't know if we can conquer. And they, in just a few moments, caused doubt to creep into the hearts of people. And unbelief overtook God's people. Oh, it's so important that we use our voice to offer faith and hope. That we use our voice on the positive and giving praise to God. Because what we say and what we tell people, amen, and how we testify of God's goodness is going to make a big difference on whether or not they're going to believe God and if he's able to help them and heal them and work in their life. So I, I want to be careful what I say. I, I want to be careful what I say to people in my daily walk and wherever I go in business and whatever I'm doing in this world, I want to be a witness that God is able, that God can, that God, amen, can deliver you from sin, that God can set you free from iniquity, that it doesn't matter what you're bound by. My God is able seems so strange to me that these people were talked out of the promises of God and everything they had hoped for, everything they had dreamed about just by a few words about some giants. Have you ever thought about that? What was those giants in lieu of all that God had done for them? Come on, we're talking about a God that after 400 years of being in bondage said, all right, tonight, pack your bags up. All right, tonight, uh, I want you to get ready. At midnight, you're fixing to have a cry go through this land, and in the Egyptians that have bound you and held you back for so long, they're going to thrust you out. They're going to put you on the run. They're going to send you away, and they're not going to send you away empty-handed, but you're going to plunder them before you leave. Amen. You're not going to leave poor, broke, uh, amen, and down and out, but you're going to leave uplifted uh, with every, everything of wealth that the Egyptians have. Praise God. If that was not enough, they were able to walk out of that place. Uh, the Bible said after 400 years of bondage, you know somebody had to be broke down after 400 years of serving the Egyptians. Somebody had to be authoritic. Somebody had to be crippled. Somebody had to be hurting. Somebody, because of all of that, years of slavery and, and malnourishment, they, they had to be in bad health. But the Bible said when they walked out of the land, this is one of the greatest testimonies of healing in the entire Bible. It said there was not a feeble one among them. I said there wasn't a feeble one among them. There wasn't one of them that walked out, amen, with the help of a walker or a cane. There wasn't one of them that walked out on crutches. There wasn't one of them that had to be wheeled out in a wheelchair. There wasn't one of them that had to be carried out. There wasn't one that crawled out. But there wasn't a feeble one among them. Oh, somebody hear me preach tonight. Uh, when God gets ready to deliver, it doesn't matter what the odds are. It doesn't matter what the devil says. Uh, it doesn't matter what's against you, what the enemy looks like. Not only that, when they turned around, there was a big old dust storm behind them. The Egyptian army was bearing down on them. They said, oh, Moses, what now? Oh, we got delivered out of Egypt. We're going to die right here in this wilderness. 
you just brought us out here in the desert to die. And the Bible tells us that the Lord spoke to Moses. He said something that almost sounded like it was contradictory to itself. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then immediately says in the same verse, said, and go forward. <laughs> that really isn't contradictory as it may sound. What he was talking about is in your posture, not necessarily physically, you need to, to, to steal all the worries, the anxiety, and the fear and have your peace and trust in God and put your faith in him. Quiet all those fears. Hush up all that worrying. All that crying and whining. Hush it up. Amen. Stand still and just see what I'm getting ready to do. And yet physically, you need to keep going forward. And as you go forward, I'm going to work with you and for you and work through you to do great things. Can I tell you, if that's the posture we keep as a church and as God's people, God will always work for us. God will always help us. God will always be there. I'm telling you, you need to quit worrying. You need to quit dreading. You need to quit being intimidated. You need to quit tossing and turning at night. Put your hope in God. Have peace in Him. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, after all that, I mean, after they stood on the banks of that Red Sea and danced and shouted and carried on, played a timbrel, the Scripture says, and sung the horse and the rider the Lord has thrown in the sea. After all that, great victory. Just a little while later, they're doubting because somebody told them. And that majority hadn't even seen him, but somebody told them there was giants in the land. Amen. Well, bigger the opposition, the greater the challenge the greater the victory is going to be for God to work in our lives. God can intervene. God can do great things if we'll allow him to do it. Praise God and put our faith in him. And they, they got talked out of it. They didn't remember all those things. They didn't remember those ten miracles that, that God gave them while in Egypt. Those plagues were miracles from God. I mean, if you don't believe that, you go try to you go try to stick your cane down in the water and see if it turns to blood. Go to the bathtub tonight, stick your cane down in and see if it don't turn to blood. You're not as spiritual as you think you are. I see a wife nudging a husband and said, I told you so. And when you, when you stepped in the bathtub, the, the waters didn't part. But they had seen all of those things. And yet, they doubted. Why? Because we have such a short memory. I said we have such a short memory when it comes to spiritual things and what God has done. I mean, somebody give a, uh, get a tremendous miracle here tonight. It wouldn't be two weeks down the road. 
they'd be wondering whether God could do it again for them. If God could work, you know what that needs to be? It needs to be a stepping stone for your faith. You need to stand on your last miracle and have the calm already jumping to the end of my message, but you need to let your memory be an ally to your faith. And you need to step up and say, I believe that God, if he did it then, he can do it now. He can, he can help me. He can work for me. He can take care of me. He can heal me. He can provide for me. He can work a miracle of protection for me. Whatever it is, my God is able. Somebody say that with me. My God is able. Praise God. Let's clap our hands to him right now. Do you know that forgetful green, that's the most dangerous place in these parts. We, we get in that area of forgetting. Oh, yeah. Praise God. You get, get to forgetting what God. This is time of Thanksgiving. Aren't you happy about Thanksgiving coming? Some of you already can smell Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving, you don't eat until you're full. You eat until you're miserable. (laughs) Isn't that right? Come on now. Don't act all sanctimonious tonight. You know you're going to be a glutton on Thanksgiving. Make all kind of commitments on next day. Maybe that's the first of the year. These these gyms, I can already see the billboards going up. How to beat the holidays and all that kind of stuff. They get more customers in January and lose them by March. That's right. Amen. Because we forget about how miserable we were. Oh, come on now. We need to remember the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. There's peace in keeping my mind stayed upon the Lord. Not analyzing my situation and my problem and my challenge and saying, Oh, my Lord, that's the biggest deal I've ever confronted. That's the biggest problem I've ever had. Amen. Come on now. Some of us make mountains out of molehills. Some of us just keep on making it bigger and bigger and bigger and exaggerating our situation and making it bigger in our mind than it really is. Well, I hit a nerve there, didn't I? Praise God. I'm going to tell you guys a little secret tonight. If you don't want the preacher to get on to you, what I mean in getting on to you, I mean being able to pick it up, what's going on, and being able to feel after what's happening. You, you just keep on saying amen, praise God, and get on your feet and clap your hands. But when you sit there real still, that's like a cough to a doctor. He said, uh-huh, these, these folks are sick right here. There's something wrong right here. I just stuck my finger right in the nerve. I'm getting a lot more amens right now. I'm getting a lot more praise gods right now. A lot more participation. Praise the Lord. If you just want him to skim over something, you don't sit there, bless God. I've seen some of you like them little dogs they got in the back of their cars and them bobblehead things. It's like we ran over tracks. You're just trying to make it through that. Kind of nodding your head like that, yeah. Can't even look me in the eye. 
Praise God. Oh, help me, Lord, to remember. Keep my mind. I can have perfect peace. You know, peace is not something that can be divided up. You don't have a little bit of peace. Have you ever heard anybody come to you and say, well, I got a little bit of peace about that? You don't have a little bit of peace about nothing. You either got peace about it or you don't. There's no dividing that up. There's, there's no 30% peace and 70% chaos. Said you've never been to my house, preacher. It's it's 30 percent, thirty percent chaos and seventy percent peace, or seventy percent chaos, or seventy percent peace and thirty percent chaos, or whatever. I got some of you confused as I am. I'm gonna tell you, I got one page of notes right here. That's about all I ever use. Is about one or two pages. And so the rest is ad lib, as the Lord gives it to me. Praise God. And sometimes it comes out good, and sometimes my tongue gets wrapped around my eye teeth. But you all all right, aren't you? Amen. Praise God. I love saints. Let me get me on your good side. I love saints. I'm thankful for saints. Praise God. And I love coming to the house of the Lord. And I, I love being in church. That's something to be thankful for. I said that's something to be thankful for. Praise God. But he tells them over and over again. He said, be, beware. Beware. Keep, keep your focus. Don't get distracted. Don't, don't soon forget things. And uh, don't let your mind drift off into areas of doubt. And so in this particular text, Jesus performs the miracle that we all agree is one of the most notable of his ministry, and that is the feeding of the 5,000. With just a few loaves and two fish, 5,000 people fed. Unbelievable. And there's 12 baskets full that remains after this Tremendous miracle. And would you believe that it isn't but just a little while down the road that these disciples have completely, they, they took up fragments, they saw that everybody was filled to capacity, and they were able to take some with them, and they knew that it all came from just a lad's lunch that was put in the hands of the Lord. And so they, they, they witnessed this great miracle and it wasn't too long until the Lord was given this little Bible lesson and they're confused about it. And the Lord, you can hear through the language that is used here, you can feel his, his amazement and his frustration with his followers and that how could they possibly, after just coming from such a great miracle, forget something that notable? And have trouble believing me for the present situation that they're in. How could they have a problem trusting me after all that they've witnessed and all that they, these fellows were eyewitnesses to blinded eyes being opened and deaf ears being unstuck. They were eyewitnesses to powerful miracles besides the feeding of the five thousand. Yet they're having trouble believing God and trusting the Lord and hearing the meaning of what He is saying. 
And so we see the Lord admonishing us over and over again the importance of remembering. He, he tells us about communion. He said, this, this do in remembrance of me. He said, take this bread and eat it and do this in remembrance of my body that is broken. Take this fruit of the vine and drink it and do it often in remembrance of me, in remembrance of my blood that was shed for you. And we're going to do that around the first of the year as we always do. We take communion and uh, we, we receive and remember the things that the Lord has done for us at Calvary. He didn't want us to forget that. We don't need to forget the work of the blood. We don't need to forget the power of Calvary in our lives and what the change that Calvary brings in a person's life. Don't forget it. And then he's talking about the end time, which we can relate to. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They're eating, drinking, giving in marriage, marrying, giving in marriage. And, 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 and all of these things are real close to where we're at right now, buying and selling, never satisfied, just always trying and wanting more. That was the generation that Noah was a part of. And he said, as it was in the days of Lot, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but I believe we could talk about it. We could certainly relate that that seems like present-day America as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And in the midst of this dissertation about the end time, he stops right there and he says something that seems so out of place. He said, remember Lot's wife. Where'd that come from? Remember Lot's wife. Why? Why is that? I'll tell you why it was important. Lot's wife. Lot had been a sojourner just like Abraham. Lot had lived in tents just like Abraham. Lot had, had searched for a city whose builder and makers got along with Abraham. But he made a choice to go towards the well-watered plains of Jordan. He chose the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to dwell in. And it was there that he built a house and he raised a family. And to Mrs. Lot, he got a certain amount of stability. To, to Mrs. Lot, he lived, they lived for something she had always longed for. She'd always been living in a tent, always dwelling in a, in a place for only a certain amount of time and moving off. And, and she, she was not able to put her, her roots down and, and really anchor herself. But now she's established a, a dwelling place. She has her own home and uh, has her family there. And she's enjoying this. And that was why it was such a struggle when the Lord said it's time to go for her to leave that. That's why she was drawn to look back is because she was so attached to that stability. We can become so attached to this world that when it comes time and the trumpet sounds and the call of the Lord goes forth, it'll be difficult for us to, to, to disconnect from it. I, I don't want anything in this world to cause me to look back. I don't want anything in this world to hold me here. I don't want to be a monument when I should have been a movement. I want to keep on following after God. I want to keep on doing the will of the Lord. I want to keep on pleasing Him. Come on. You know what? That's why he said, remember Lot's wife. And you get on down, you read some more, and, and you read in the book of Revelation, he's still talking to us about remembrance. He's talking to the churches of Asia, and he gets to that church of Ephesus. And man, when you hear him talk about it at first, uh, when you hear him, and he's, he's, he's really, he's telling them all their good points. He said, you won't tolerate them. 
that are liars, those that are false prophets, those that say they're apostles and are not. You won't tolerate people that are weak in the faith. You won't tolerate people. You're not, you're, you're not one to go along with the hypocrites. And, and maybe as they're hearing this message come to them, they're, they're kind of getting a little puffed up and thinking, well, we ain't doing too bad, I don't guess. This is a pretty good assessment of us. We're, we're for the truth. We're, we're righteous, and we don't have any toleration for those kind of folks. And then all of a sudden, the Lord says, I have somewhat against you. Amen. Because evidently in all of this, you've forgotten where you came from. You've gotten pretty good at saying you're better than them and you're not like them. But you've gotten pretty, you've gotten pretty self-righteous in yourself to the point that you don't have any toleration for those folks. But you've forgotten you used to be dislike them. You used to be a sinner too. It wasn't long ago until you didn't have the testimony you have now. And could I preach to this church There's some of you in this building? Don't look down your nose at somebody that doesn't have God. Amen. Because it wasn't long ago you was a doper. You was a drug addict. You was a drunk. You was out there in sin. You was immoral. Such were some of you, the scripture said. We're pretty quick to pass judgment on somebody. We're pretty quick to be intolerable of somebody. But, but Jesus told him, he said, you've forgotten and I, I think you need to remember where you came from. He said, before you can repent about it, you've got to remember what you was doing, what you was. Amen. You've got to remember your first works, what you was like when you first got in the church. You're just so thankful that you were saved from sin. You weren't in, in, trying to judge anybody. You weren't trying to point your finger at no one. You weren't trying to ridicule nobody else. You weren't concerned about some of the things you're concerned about now. You were so wrapped up, tangled up, tied up in Jesus, you couldn't worry about anybody else. right. You didn't remember that. Come on, some of you need to take a little trip down memory lane. You didn't remember when you was a new convert. I promise you a preacher didn't have to preach himself silly and preach until he threw out his back and lost his voice before you moved. Matter of fact, most of you were probably spring-loaded when you first got the Holy Ghost. Had to set you down. Amen. Tell you now it's time for Bible study. Now it's time, amen, for us to get a little word in us. But you are so eager to worship God, so eager to praise the Lord. Oh, you need to remember that. You need to remember how you used to worship, how you used to praise the Lord. Because there's something about this remembering business. Uh, I'll tell you what it does. It feeds our faith. Uh, it feeds our faith. When you remember what God has done for you, it'll feed your faith to believe that he's able to do it again. It'll, it'll feed your faith and strengthen it, strengthen it and bolster it so that you can believe that if he's able to bless me with that, if he's able to respond to me in that, if he's able to answer me there, he's able to do it now for me. Then it'll encourage your prayer. Your, your prayer will become more consistent as you see prayers answered and you're able to reflect on that. Come on. I often tell people, if you want to get in a habit of praying, just, just start praying. And then the more you'll long to pray. Somebody said, well, I, 
I don't, I don't know if I can pray an hour. I ain't got enough to pray about to pray an hour. Maybe you ain't got enough troubles. You get enough troubles that when praying an hour won't be no big deal. Matter of fact, you go overtime. Get enough troubles. Get enough problems in your life. Amen. But I don't want to have to have problems to learn how to pray. But, but, but as you seek God answer prayers, then it gives you a faith to come back and, and pray some more. It's kind of like one win leads to another. You get momentum in your prayer. You take some of these sports teams, they start winning. And they're not as talented as some of the other teams. But they got momentum. They got the wind in their back. They got momentum on their side. And so they're actually performing outside of their skill set because they got momentum. I'm going to tell you, if that works in the natural, there's a lot more that can be said about that in the spiritual. When you are able to trust God and believe God, nothing is impossible to you. And then it encourages you and promotes prayer in your life. And then, lastly, your worship is inspired. Yeah. People that have a problem worshiping God and can't consistently worship God and really are, are, are just kind of the deadbeats of the church and don't have any inspiration to worship God. And they don't, you know, they can blame it. I'm not emotional and I, I, that's just not my personality like the Holy Ghost is schizophrenic or something. Amen. Well, I don't have that kind of Holy Ghost. What kind? How many Holy Ghosts do you think there is? I'm going to tell you, if I, could, if I had a hot stove here tonight, put your hand on it, it'd bring the same response from 100% everybody in here. Hallelujah. You can say, I'm not emotional, I'm not emotional, I'm not that type, I, that's not me. I, I, I just kind of I got one of those quiet kind. Yeah. Just like Brother Cavanaugh said the other night, until they get to hollering at the kids, they're not emotional. Or whomever else. Let that dog dig up your backyard. See how emotional you are. <laughs> Let it chew up something. Your new pair of shoes, you ladies. Woo! Emotions. That you didn't know were there suddenly come to the surface. I'm going to tell you, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to identify with the old prophet Jeremiah that said, I tried to be quiet, but you know what? It's like fire that shut up in my bones. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. It inspires. When you remember all that God has, how could I be silent and remember all that God has done for me? How could I just sit there with my arms crossed and do an impersonation of a statue when I think about all that God has blessed me with and all the goodness of the Lord in my life? Amen. David, he got to reflect it. He said, I was once young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. When I think about his blessings, I just want to shout. I just want to praise it. I just want to sing. I just want to rejoice. Oh, stand with me. Let's worship the Lord. Let's praise him.